The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Take your Bibles while that's being distributed and turn to Philippians chapter 3 with me, please. Today I'm going to teach a lesson that I've taught a long time ago, but it actually dovetails right into what I've been teaching and is actually going to launch itself on a new little mini-series, if you will, in our adult forum class when I teach. And then this morning's message was one that I, I, I preached, uh, I think, uh, 13 years ago. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a message I think is going to be useful to us. So um, you just pray for me today, but on top of the cold, the congestion, and uh, if strange sounds emanate from my chest cavity, please forgive me now and, uh, and just uh, bear with me and I'll do the best that I can. But praise, praise the Lord, there's never a wrong message to preach. Amen? Anytime we preach truth from God's word, it's the right message. And it doesn't matter what I say anyway, it, it, it matters what the Holy Spirit does. So uh, if I got up here and said watermelon, watermelon, watermelon for 30 minutes, if the Holy Spirit can use that, uh, then praise the Lord. So let's, uh, I, I promise you I won't say watermelon, watermelon, watermelon for 30 minutes. Um, I won't do that. But sometimes we're encouraged by Gary to do that in the choir. But uh, we, we, we won't do that here in the preaching. So let's look at Philippians chapter 3. And if you will, look with me beginning at verse 17. And here Paul writes, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven. And, and here Paul is just reminding us that our life, conversation, our, our manner of life, our, our focus of life is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Let's pray. Father, we sit here now and, and open your word. And Holy Spirit, we do ask that you would be the teacher of the word today and instruct us in our hearts and minds. Help me, Lord, to say those things that you want me to say in, in, in an effort to, to exhort your saints. Bless us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice, notice Paul said in verse 17, to mark them, to mark them which walk according as he does, for they are an example to us. Uh, in other places in scripture, Paul says he bears in his bodies the marks of Christ. And there he's talking about the suffering and the, and the persecution and the things that he endured. But I want to, I want to, speak to you for the next several weeks concerning the marks of success. There are certain characteristics which are common to those who we would call successful. Um, 
And we're going to examine those, and we're going to examine these characteristics of those who the Bible puts forth as successful. Not who, not who Wall Street may judge as successful, or Forbes 500, or one of those other uh, uh, worldly organizations would call a success. But we're going to look at who the Bible exalted and, and lifted as men of success, as men of examples that we should follow. Um, now, we must remember here that each of us is empowered to succeed. Every one of us, as we sit here today, have been given by God himself the ability to succeed. He's given us everything we need to be successful. And it is also important for us to remember that we this morning are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Um, we shouldn't enter into our Christian walk. We shouldn't enter into our Christian life ignorant of what Satan is going to do to try to hinder us, to try to stop us. We're, we're, we're not ignorant of those things. Second Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11 Paul states, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So we're not ignorant of what Satan does. You know what? <clears throat> Satan doesn't try anything new. Why should he? He doesn't need to do anything new, because all of the old stuff works. You ever hear the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Huh? Well, Satan's doing just fine. Uh, destroying people in this world. He doesn't need to come up with new things. Now, there are a lot of new things in the world, for sure, but Satan doesn't need to change his tactics. So we are aware of where and how Satan will attack us. So I'd like to start today by looking at the first of several examples from whom I will draw in, in search of these characteristics of success. So first, this morning, number one, Roman number one, or number one, I don't know how I put it on your sheets, is Noah. We're going to look at Noah. And Noah was a man of obedience. Noah, a man of obedience. In Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 7, we are reminded in scripture, we read, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And of course, this passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 is what we call the, uh, the hall of the faithful. And all of the, all of the faithful men of, of, of the past are, are, are listed in there and exalted in there. And in there we see Noah listed. Now, I'd like you to take your Bibles with me and turn to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to read some scriptures here. Genesis chapter 6. And I'll begin at verse 1. And you can follow along with me there. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, 
for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. So here we see, uh, we see here that the Lord is, is pronouncing a 120 year span of time until which he will bring his judgment upon men. Okay, verse 4. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And this has been the ongoing plight of man. Uh, there are those that would like to say man is becoming better. Man is improving himself. He's becoming, he's becoming greater. Uh, but that, that defies the word of God because God says we become evil continually. All right, verse, eight, verse 6. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Now look at verse 8. Verse 8 we see, but Noah, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Why Noah? Why Noah and no other person? Well, let's... Let's read on. Beginning in verse 11. Let's skip forward a little bit. We read, The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rome shalt thou make in the ark. And shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. The breadth of it 50 cubits. And the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark. And in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof. With lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. Now, let's skip ahead again to verse number 22. We read here, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Why did Noah find grace in the eyes of God? It was because of Noah's obedience that he found such favor in the eyes of God, such grace. Look at chapter 7 and verse 5. We read, And Noah did according unto all that the Lord commanded him. So we see that Noah was a man of obedience. And with our time this morning, I would like to just look at the benefits of obedience in the life of a Christian. There are some benefits of obedience. Now, certainly, our obedience to God is, is demanded, and it should be given uh, without hesitation and without question. Um, yet there are many who do not obey. There are many who profess to be Christians who are disobedient to the Father in many areas of their life. So, obedience 
there are benefits to our obedience. Uh, let me give you a couple of thoughts here. Number one, or letter A on your study sheets, obedience gives us ex- acceptance with God. Obedience gives us acceptance with God. I'd like you to turn with me now to 1 Samuel chapter 15, please. Let's all go together to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And I'll begin reading in verse number 17. 1 Samuel chapter 15 and beginning at verse number 17. We read here, And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the chief of the things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. Now, when I say obedience gives us the acceptance of God, this does not mean that I can buy God's favor. There are lots of people in this world who attempt to do that all the time. Um, Roman Catholics, for example, they live their life to their pleasure, to their, to their sinful lust, and then they go in church and think that by making all of these incantations and by giving a little bit money, they can, they can buy the forgiveness of God. They can procure his forgiveness despite their disobedience to him on a regular basis. And that was Saul. Saul did not obey God, did he? God told him to go and utterly destroy Amalek, to kill everyone. Now, in our human rational minds, we may say, well, that's kind of un that's kind of cruel. I mean, kill children, kill babies. Uh, listen, that was God's command, and Saul was to do that very thing. And he did not obey. He disobeyed. And, and God is not deceived. And God cannot be manipulated. We can't buy his favor. Saul said, well, you know, we brought these things to sacrifice to God. We thought he'd be happy with the sacrifice. You can't buy God's favor. You can't, you, can't, you can't manipulate God. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 34, we read, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he hath feared, that, that feareth him and worketh 
righteousness is accepted with him. So here we see that there are things that we do that make us acceptable to God. Not acceptable in the, in the, in the nature of our salvation. We can't do anything to make ourselves acceptable to God as far as our righteousness is concerned, but as far as our obedience is concerned. As far as our submission to him, his authority, his word, and his will is concerned. God's favor is not a marketable commodity. You can't, you can't go online and purchase the favor of God. You can't do that. It can only be gained through an obedient life. That's how we gain God's favor. The cost of King Saul's disobedience was what? We read it just a moment ago. Let's look at it again. see where is it I think it's in actually it's in 1 Samuel 13 we'll read it a moment but the excuse me but the 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 cost of his disobedience was the rejection of God Um, and now let's think about this for a moment what caused Saul's disobedience back up a couple of chapters with me to 1 Samuel chapter 13 Now, we, we, can, we see from Scripture that Saul lost the favor of God. He fell out of the, the graces of God, if you will, because of his disobedience. But what causes disobedience? What caused his disobedience? I have, I have three things, I, I, I believe, contributed to Saul's disobedience. First, he failed due to pride in his own heart. Look at uh, 1 Samuel 13 and look at verse number 9. We read there, And Saul said, Bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. Now, Saul, was Saul authorized? Was he, was he eligible to offer a sacrifice unto the Lord? Can anyone tell me? Was the king was the king eligible to do that? Was he? No. Who was? The high priest. Only the high priest was eligible to offer the burnt offering unto God. No one else could. <laughs> this was by God's directive. Only the high priest. Why? Who is our high priest, by the way? Who is our high priest? Don't be ashamed. Jesus is our high priest, is he not? And only Jesus can offer sacrifice to God the Father on behalf of you and I. King Saul couldn't offer that sacrifice. He, he did not picture Christ. Only the high priest pictured Jesus in his office as high priest could offer that offering. So we see in there the pride of Saul. Saul said, I'm going to make that offering. He didn't care that God's word did not give him authority to do so. He said, I'm going to do it. Who does that sound like, by the way? Satan, that's right. Satan said, I will ascend to the throne of heaven. I will, I will, I will, I will. And that, that, was, that was exactly what Saul did. Bring me the offering. Bring, I will make the sacrifice. It was, it was a heart filled with pride. Pride is a terrible thing. You know, pride keeps you and I from obeying God. 
At times our pride will get in our way. At times our, our pride will, will cause us not to submit ourselves to, to those around us. Our pride will cause us to, to exalt ourselves above our own measure. And our own pride will often get in the way and cause us to become disobedient to the Father. We need to be humble. And we need to, we need to submit to God's word and to his authority. And even if, even if it means that we don't get to, to have the glory, we don't get to have the recognition, we do what's right to do because it's right to do it. But Saul failed due to pride in his own heart. But secondly, he failed due to the pressures of the people. Now, I'm not sure if I put these bullet points on your list or not, but you can write them out. He failed due to the pressure of the people. First, he, he failed due to pride in his own heart. And second, he failed due to the pressure of the people. Look at verse 11 here in 1 Samuel chapter 13. And Samuel said, what hast thou done? Samuel realized the magnitude of Saul's actions. Samuel said, what have you done? And Saul said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me. And thou, thou camest not within the days appointed. He said, I saw that the people were scattered from me. Now, what's going on? Well, what's going on is that Saul and his army has beaten a garrison of the Philistines. He went in and he destroyed a garrison of the Philistines. And the word spread throughout the Philistine nation. And they gathered together an army to come against Saul at Gilgal. And so now Saul is here with his with his army of 3,000, and, and as they look at this massive Philistine army put in array against them, they began, and, and, and Samuel, the, the, the high priest, had not yet come to, to make the oblation unto God. They began to get worried and scared, and they began to, to say, well, we're, gonna, we're, we're heading out of here. And, no, there's too many over there. We're not staying here. And, and the people were beginning to scatter, and that put, political pressure social pressure on Saul and he failed due to this pressure how many times I can I could not tell you how many Christians I've seen in the last 33 years quit because of pressure because of family pressure because of pressure on the job because of social pressure I've seen so many people just just tuck tail and run because they're being pressured by everyone around them. What what are you doing in that church? What what are you what are you, you giving ten percent of your income? Are you insane? Well, you know, you don't want to work on Sundays? Well, maybe I'll just find someone else to take your job. Huh? And the pressure? And, and because of, of, because of a lack of faith, because of a lack of commitment, because of a lack of devotion, because of a lack of determination, men quit, men fail. And this is what happened to Saul. He had been, listen, he had been anointed the king of Israel. He, in a way, represented God the Father himself, the king. And yet he failed because of pressure. Because he saw people quitting. 
Listen, I can, I can speak for no man but myself. And in over 33 years, I, I have to tell you, I faced a lot of pressure. And I'm nobody special, and I'm not trying to exalt myself, but by the grace of God, all these years I've been able to resist that pressure and, and, and stay in the will of God. But what about you today? Do you, how much determination do you have? You know, it's often said a man's character is not determined by what it takes to make him start something. By what it, it's rather determined by what it takes to make him quit something. What would it take to make you quit on God? Think about that. So Saul failed. He failed in his obedience because of pride. He failed due to pressure. And then thirdly, he failed due to a lack of patience. <coughs> Excuse me. He failed due to a lack of patience. We read it a moment ago in verse 11 again. Look, he said, because I saw that the people were scattered from me. There's the pressure. And that thou camest not within the days appointed. There's the impatience. See, Samuel said, well, I'll be there. And Saul felt Samuel was late. He lacked the patience. And that lack of patience caused him to disobey the Lord. The Lord has made some promises to us, hasn't he? He promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. He promised that he would come again and receive us. He promised that he would provide all things that we need. He promised that he would care for us. And sometimes we lack the patience to wait on God. And because we lack that patience... We try to do our own things. We try to make things happen on our, our, ourself. Right? Am I, you all looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about. Am I the only one that's ever felt that impatience in my life? Huh? We've all been there. We've all been in that position where we've, we're standing on the promises of God, right? Lord, you've promised. I believe it. And now we're just standing on that promise. But the promise doesn't come. It didn't come yesterday. It didn't come today. It may not come tomorrow. And we, became, we become impatient. And so we try to make things happen ourselves. Right? Right? Yeah. And what does that always give us? Always. What does it provide? Trouble. Problems, And usually right after we've been foolish and, and did uh, uh, something like what Saul did, right afterward, who shows up? God. Yeah, there he comes. Here comes Saul. Here comes Samuel. The fires. Sam, Samuel's, Saul's probably trying to put the fires out now. <laughs> hey, hail Samuel, the anointed God's man. Hey, Hey, what, with this fire here? No, no, no. The people made me do that. The people made me do that, Samuel. Impatience. Saul failed in his obedience to God because he lacked the patience to do so. We just need to learn to be patient. You know what it takes to be patient? I, I, I spoke about this a few 
few weeks back. You know what it takes to be patient? Contentment. You'll never be patient without contentment. You need to be able to look and say, well, I'm satisfied with what's happening right now, and I'm just going to wait for God to do what he promised he'll do. Just be content. Don't, don't view the glass as half empty. See it as half full. Don't question God's integrity. Look and examine your own weaknesses. This is what it takes to be patient. It takes contentment. Yet Saul failed. He failed. He failed in his obedience to God. And he was rejected by God as being king because of his disobedience. How much more then will we be blessed and accepted of God when we are obedient? So first, this morning, I say that one of the benefits is obedience gives us acceptance with God. But then secondly, obedience gives us freedom in God. Now, I'd like you to turn with me to Second Chronicles, if you would, chapter 34. It's not too far ahead of... Uh, of uh, of First Samuel, let's go to Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-four. And let's look at verse number twenty-seven. Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-four, and verse twenty-seven. We read here: Because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God. When thou heardest his words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof and humbledst thyself before me and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me, I have even heard thee also, saith the Lord. Behold, I will gather thee to thy fathers and thou shalt be gathered to thy grave in peace. Neither shall thine eyes see all the evil that I will bring upon this place and upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word. Again, does anyone know, just from reading this, does anyone know who that scripture is referring to? Who is God speaking to there? Anybody know? It was King Josiah. You remember King Josiah? The boy king? He took took the throne at the age of six. And as he grew... He made a decision that he would not follow the example of his fathers who did evil, but that he would follow the example of his father, David, the the king. And and he he did what? He restored the temple. He went in and the Bible says that when he entered the temple of God, he wept when he saw the condition it was in. And and he 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 provided the funds to restore it. He went out and what did he do? He, he, he broke down all of the groves, all of the false idols and altars in, in the land. And, and he slew all of the false prophets and he, he purged the land of, of all false worship. And he did all of this by the time he was 17 years old. And the Lord God was pleased By his obedience and by his actions. And God has has promised him here that he would bring him to his grave in peace. And that he would bring no evil upon the land during his lifetime for his sake. God gave him freedom. God declares that because of his tenderness 
toward God's commands, he would establish his kingdom and would bring peace into his life. This is exactly what we need in America today. We are a nation that has flaunted our rebellion against God before his face. We as a nation have taunted him for decades and the time of judgment against this nation draws near. Just remember this. I've, t- I've said this before. God's pay train may run slow, but it's always right on schedule. And rest assured, my friends, judgment is coming to America. Unless this nation were to turn to God and repent of all of the evil and wickedness. You know, I saw a commercial. I think it was yesterday. Now, I love animals. I'm an animal lover. I love dogs. I love Apollo, even though he weighs almost as much as me and spits five times as much. I love dogs. I love animals. And I saw a commercial yesterday, and, and it, was, it had the harp music playing from the SPCA. And they were talking about how every second a dog is abused. And, and, all. and, and you know what? That's terrible. And I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle that. But, you know, I stopped and thought, what about the fact that every second a baby is aborted? What about that truth? What about the fact that in America... Millions and millions and millions of babies are murdered by their parents and by the doctors every day. And we don't care about that. Matter of fact, don't you even dare say that. You, you wouldn't be able to air a commercial like that. And if you did, the, the Supreme Court would rule against you and your freedom of speech would be, would be taken away and Now, who in this room believes that judgment isn't coming to America? Because if you, if, you, if you would stand and say, I don't believe judgment's coming to America, then you're deceiving yourself. Let me tell you something. You study all, the, all, the, the, the nation, all of the governments and all of the societies of the past, the very, the very last stage before the Lord utterly destroyed them was homosexuality. And what do we have blossoming in America today? We've already, we're already committing murder of innocent babies. And now we're embracing an abominable lifestyle. Just how long do you think God's going to put up with that? Well, he's got more patience than me, I'll say that. Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It was the disobedience of the people of Israel that brought them into captivity time and time again. In 2 Kings chapter 18, we read, And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel into Assyria, and put them in Hala, and in harbor by the river of Gozan, and in the cities of Medes, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant, and all that, that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and would not hear them, nor do them. And for that reason, repeatedly, over and over and over again, throughout the history of Israel, God sent them into captivity. Now, there is a remnant, I believe, there is a remnant in our nation today. And God, by our obedience, will provide us with the freedom we so desire. 
Praise God that we still have what we have. Amen? Now, we don't have near the freedom in America that we once had. But praise the Lord, because of God and his grace and because of him alone, we still have what we have. Because there is a remnant of people in our nation that love and obey the Lord. And let us in this room be a part of that. Let us learn to obey the voice of the Lord. Let us live a life of obedience unto God for our sake and for our children's sake and for our grandchildren's sake. But then, quickly, obedience gives us, number three, blessings from God. Blessings from God. Noah certainly received a great blessing from God for his obedience. He and his family were the only people spared from the wrath of God. Consider for a moment what it means to remain faithful to Christ. Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 1 and 2, we read, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. It would imply endurance in our faith. Galatians 6, 9, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. But how often do we quit right at the finish line? Oh, I was in high school, I ran track, and I had to have a filler sport, so I ran track. And we, our, mile, our, our distance runners were all hurt, so the coach asked me to, to run the mile, and, and he said, listen, all you got to do is finish. I don't care if you finish dead last. We're going to win this track meet. We'll have enough points if you just finish dead last. So just get out there and run. I said, okay. So I got out there, and I ran. And on the last lap, I just, I just didn't have the willpower to finish, and I quit. I quit. I, I, I pretended to trip and fall off the track. And, and when I stumbled, I stumbled right into a, a bunch of hurdles and got all beat up and cut up. And they were there bandaging me up. And the coach came over and looked at me and said, you, you just couldn't finish, could you? you? You just had to quit. And that stuck with me for the rest of my life. Listen, God's, our obedience, if we just don't quit, brings us the blessings of God. Noah did not quit. He remained faithful unto God. And this, the Bible states, gave him grace in the eyes of God. Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What about us today? Listen, folks, just don't quit. Just keep on obeying the Lord. I know, I know it's hard. I know, I know it, it, sometimes in this world, the way this, this society is, the way this world is, it would be easier for us to just, just quit. It'd be easier to just quit going to church and just, just stay home on Sunday. It'd be easier to just quit tithing and have all that extra money. It'd be easier to just, to just, to just quit uh, living a righteous life and, and, uh, and, and satisfying our flesh. And play. That would be the easy thing, just to quit, just, just quit, just quit. And that's what the devil's always telling you. Just quit. You don't need to do that. You don't need to listen to that guy standing up there this morning. He thinks he knows it all. No, I don't know it all, but i tell you what I do know. I know this. And I know that God has promised blessing to his people when they obey him. So let's not quit. Let's stay faithful. All right, folks, that's it. That's all the time I have. Uh, Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for listening. And you are dismissed. 
Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.